Welcome back to another episode of Can't Handle Heat. It's your boy, G Swizz. Obviously, I'm the only one right here. Um, Joe and Michael will be joining us with the legendary Mr. Hames, Nicholas Hames' father. Uh, we met him on the tour this this summer. and uh, Well, we knew him prior, but he's a legendary guy, and he has a lot of legendary stories, and we can't wait to share it with you. But just want to give a fat shout-out to Manscaped. Cheers to 2022 and the resolution you can actually keep. How about having a clean, shiny balls all year round? Our sponsor at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust in Manscaped. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com and use the code VOLLEYBALLS, all cap, for 20% off and free shipping. Without further ado, Mr. Hames. We're now here joined by Jason Hames, proud father of Nebraska setter Nicklin Hames, owner of K2 Volleyball, and an exporter of one of the sickest mustaches I've ever seen in my life, but it's not showing <laughs> yeah. us today. Uh, Jason, how yeah. you doing, man? Thanks for hopping on, brother. I'm I'm doing good, and, and sorry about the uh, mustache fatality here, but uh, New Year's came and the wife asked, so I finally got rid of it. Oh, so it's recent. <laughs> Yeah, so I just just literally shaved it off a couple of days ago. Dude, yeah. I, I I tried doing some because like out here they don't care. Like at, at, in Hawaii, you're not allowed to have facial hair, but since I'm out here, they don't care. Oh. It's a wild wild east over yeah. here. So I tried sporting it. It yeah. just did not yeah. work. I remember I had been growing it no. for a while, and I was like, Joe, what do yeah. you think of it? And he's like, Oh, I didn't even know it's two pointed it out. I'm like, <laughs> well, you had a you had a nice you had a nice little beard uh, yeah. going. It'll flow when you were here, but. Uh, the stash just didn't work out, huh? Nah, nah, not long <laughs> enough. Not enough dedication. That's always Gage's summer tradition: grow it out. But no, yeah. For for those who don't know, you have the mustache. That was the nicest. Micah, all he wouldn't stop talking about the mustache. So when he when he sees this, he's gonna be bummed. Um, he's gonna be disappointed. Sorry, you disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, We're just gonna end it right here. It's a- <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a interview over. We're done. Yeah, that that's the part is that I get more compliments from dudes than I ever do from any oh, girls. Yeah. You know, like it's it's all jealous. It's 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 definitely yeah, yeah. It's it's all good. But yeah, I don't grow back. I'll I'll grow back, but I, I change it up every once in a while and I had had it for a while at that point. So next time you see me, I'll have it back. Respect, respect. Respect. Hell yeah. That's what and the other thing is recently, I don't know why I've been talking to a lot of people about Eastern Tennessee. Where K two volleyball is is in eastern Tennessee. Um, right. in like the dopest spot, Micah, after we left, for those who don't know, was like talking about buying property already. <laughs> he was, <laughs> people are so sold on moving there. This yeah. is, this is kind of like towards the end of where we were for people who, who don't know. Um, after we played in the tournament in South Carolina, we went up Tennessee, um, did some events up at K2 volleyball and hung out with the Haynes family. And it was, it was definitely one of the like biggest highlights of our summer. And we love it. We just love the area, love the people. Everything is super great so we're super grateful um for you guys opening your house to us and allowing us to come up the this kind of leads me into my next question we kind of talked about nicklin i don't know if, can nicklin hear us right now i saw that she was in no. she helped you set it up no. okay um yeah yeah, yeah. it might be a little bit of, on and then, yeah. all right <laughs> sweet on. so we're good because, uh, we're yeah. good you can talk about her yeah. 
Good, good, good. It's a, I just know it probably is a little bit of a sore subject, and I saw you on TV a bunch of the Final Four. Um, right. And one of the things starting off, before we get into coaching, I want to talk to you like more as a parent because that was when I saw you last just on TV two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, handling, obviously, Nebraska, they had a really up-and-down season. I know going into it this past summer, we were talking about a lot of stuff for them and um, reasons why uh, – like that they're gonna have to work on going into the year and i think as they got lauren back as they kind of started improving their serve reception their defense that they really caught um caught some momentum at the end of season i think that's easy to say um for anybody but i want to ask you like after that national championship match what's the most important thing for parents in terms of how you speak to them how you handle that situation because i know like from just my previous experiences how my parents have handled and i just wanted to see for your sake how you handle it with your kids and how also you've seen it handled with kids at your club and yeah. like losing that losing a match like that um man that's a great question I, you know first of all it sucks it, it just it just yeah. uh, when you're on that losing end because there's nothing as a parent you know seeing your kid hurt or not feeling great or whatever your immediate instinct is to want to help or do something and in that moment, there, you know, there really isn't anything you can say or do that's going to make her feel any better. So, you know, I told her then what I've told her since she was five years old. Hey, you know, win or lose, Nicklin, I love you just the same. You did, a, you know, you did all you could tonight. You came up a little bit short, but, you know, we love you just the same. So it's not a, you know, this winning or losing isn't really attached to you, father, son or father, daughter, you know, uh, relationship in any way. It's just about, you know, a competition and this night you happen to lose it. So, you know, of course she didn't like hearing that either. That's really all you, all you can say. I will say this, man, and you guys are kind of familiar with this because you're from Hawaii. The Akanas handled it like the best of anyone. So Keona Le Akana, who's from Hawaii, who plays on Nebraska, her whole like family was there and they, afterwards they just they brought the family down they were talking to each of the players they had the shells that they had made the necklaces and it was like you know this is from our family to your family and i they they just do life a little bit better i think there was a lot of us that were kind of bummed out or kind of pissy or whatever and they were just like hey you know they've been through so much with their own daughter and her story this is you know they they just handled it a lot better so to answer your question about like who i've seen handled it well they were great and they had you know um a great attitude and and i think they were just thankful to watch their kid play you know um and we get caught up sometimes in a lot of the other stuff because we feel like well you know there's criticism going on or people are going to talk about this or someone's going to say this or you didn't get it done or this didn't happen it's like if that's what you're going to be worried about your life's going to be pretty miserable right but if you know at the end of the day you did the best you could and then and then you have family who loves you and the things that are important to fall back on it's like life goes on and tomorrow is a new day and, and you start the next thing that you're after. No, I I love that. And you hit it right on the point. Like the people of Hawaii, just from our experiences, you got to see with the Akana family, like just the like Aloha spirit after every match. It's like that. No matter like win or lose, yeah. they, I remember years where we were not very good and then years where we were awesome. And it was the same, the same amount of love, everything like, so that's super cool. And I, I'm sure we have a lot of people from Hawaii who listen, so I'm sure they're going to comment below and talk about that. But right. we uh, yeah. that's super awesome to hear. The, you know, that brought up something, because my brother and I and Micah all have experienced the exact same thing. Luckily for my brother, he also experienced the opposite end last year. 
Um, but my Mike, but right. Micah, like I was with Micah the night after we lost the championship match, and he said something really similar to kind of what you were just saying. And he's like, "Listen, like he lost the year before, and he's like going forward. Like the way I approach it is that my life will be like no better or no worse if I would have won that match. Like I'm still gonna go sign a pretty good pro contract. I'm still gonna be." With the national team, like none of that stuff was affected. It's just like, yeah, you would have one more trophy like on your shelf and stuff. And the way he said that to me, I thought like, like thinking about it in the moment. Obviously, you don't want to hear. Nicklin knows that. Like, you know, that's the last thing you want to hear. But after over time, I think that's a really good message. And the that's that's a huge reason why I want to get you on is because I just feel like from our time with you and just hearing other coaches talk about you too, you just have so many good lessons tied into how you approach the game of volleyball um right and that's kind of and that's a huge like i i feel especially for youth sports like that is the most important thing because i see so many kids come out and go up to the next level the collegiate level and the the sole reason they fall they kind of fall off is because they're not ready to just handle the life of being a college student the life of being on your own and so the coach, I know, like, there's so many cases my my parents have. I've seen with other kids that the the coach and the per, that is really the guardian in their life, and the person who uh, installs discipline in their life, makes sure they go to class, making sure they're taking care of everything they need to take care of. And so, for you, really quickly, can you give just a background of like when you started the club? Because I want people to know um, just a little about your background before I get into a little bit of question about your coaching style and like when you guys started the club. So they have an idea about that. Yeah. Um, we started the club in 2009. So Nicklin was probably nine years old at that point. Um, and in East Tennessee, where we live in Knoxville, there was a club here, but it was pretty low level, low key. Um, a lady named Carmen Foster was running at uh, Smoky Mountain Juniors and she did a great job, um, but they weren't really exposed to a lot of the other things um, or seeing other parts of the country, how people did things or the competition level of those other places, or quite honestly, what was possible for the girls if they were competing at that level that they could go on and play at a power five school, you know, Tennessee, Nebraska, UCLA, whatever. Um, that was all crazy talk when we started in 2009. And um, we basically were coaching at the club uh, that Smoky Mountain Juniors. A bunch of parents said, hey, I think there could we, you know, we kind of like what you guys are doing and we'd like some more of this. What if you had your own facility and we started some stuff and we did this. So we we had kind of an informal parent meeting and there was like 50 people that showed up. So then we're like, OK, maybe some people want to do this. And then we're like, all right, we have no money. We're broke at this point. So how, how are we going to do this? So what we did was we to raise capital to start, we sold charter memberships. And so that gave people lifetime membership in the club. They could come into our building 24 seven, get training. They never had to pay dues or uniform fees or anything like that for the entire time they were gonna be the club if they put up at that time 10 grand a piece. So that basically 10 grand would cost them, that would be it for their entire time in the club. And we sold a hundred of those. And that's how we raised the money to get k2 started so then we bought balls we bought courts we bought uniforms we we got a building and boom we were we were off and running you know and then at that point the logistics became about like how do you make the finances work but i mean that's you know that's kind of boring stuff but you kind of you sort of start to figure out where you need to be um as a club 
we made the decision. It was never going to be about the money. It was going to be about the product, right? Okay. If we, if we make a great product, people are okay with writing a check. If you're taking care of their kid and they're finding some value in what you're doing with them, the money's not a problem. But when you start chasing dollars and nickel diming people, then it's like, it sucks and it's no good. So, um, long answer longer. We started around in 2009, two years later, we bought this building that we're in now, and now we're selling this building and we're going to move into a new facility, probably eight court facility that we're going to put in and terraflex it and kind of make cool. it a state of the art, hopefully our, la our last place that we're going to be in. Um, and, and then see where we can take this thing from there because volleyball has grown here, uh, exponentially it's, it's, it's huge in this area now. And now we put, you know, over a hundred kids into major universities, um, playing and, uh, and they see Nicklin on TV and they know who she is and they see her sister playing at Pepperdine and even her brother's playing on the boys team here now. And, and, uh, and we have five boys teams. So that was just unheard of. No one ever thought that would even, you know, be a thing. And now we're at five boys teams. So, and we got Lewis is coming here to practice. I guess they're going to be in town to um, play Lincoln Memorial. Gage will remember his oh, yeah. trip to Lincoln Memorial. At the, that's our, oh yeah. And so they needed a they needed a, a, a place to come practice. So they're gonna they're gonna come and use the facility, and that'll be great to have them. And our boys will get to see what that looks like, and and then you know that gives them kind of something to emulate and look at and go, oh okay, hey maybe that could be me in a few years. That's so cool. The and for those yeah. who don't, they're the current facility okay too it's in this giant tennis ball well, the coolest thing they have lifting in there they have sweet sound system they have everything you possibly need there was so dominoes many offices too next door. They, yeah they have dominoes next yeah, door for gauge um, that's right it's huge yeah. so the fact that like when when he told us before the call even that he was getting a new facility i'm like geez that <laughs> you already have a massive facility so that's awesome the, especially on the boy side i think for us that's a large audience for us um, on the boys side to see that growing, especially in somewhere like Eastern Tennessee. Like I'll be honest, like that's, you don't really hear about Eastern Tennessee boys level players. So that's right. super cool. R really, really cool. And, and you got into a little bit talking about um, the players from your guys club moving on to the next level. I just want to talk to you, like what are the biggest things that you see from athletes that ensures you that they're going to succeed at the next level not just like make it but actually have a, a career past the club volleyball scene um self-sufficiency i'd say probably is the the number one thing so meaning these aren't people you have to put a boot in their ass to um um to you know get going or whatever every day when they're when they're coming into practice or getting extra reps or whatever needs to be done they're always coming to you asking like hey can you come and meet you know work with me on this hey can you come and help me with this hey i want to get better at this they have a really good understanding of where they are on the totem pole of competition and they are willing to do what they need to do to get higher up on that level so i would say that's those kids usually make it because when even when they get to the next level that translates the second thing I'd say that goes kind of hand in hand with that would be hard work, right? It's like, there's no secret sauce, right? It's just, if you work your ass off and you do what you need to do, there's a good chance you're probably going to get where you need to go, you know, but um, without those things, I can tell you, you're not going anywhere. You know, even your talented kids, you're only going to go so far because you, you eventually meet up with somebody who's going to outwork you, you know, and then, 
And I'd say the last thing with that is coachable, right? And you need to be coachable. Everybody's told how great they are all the time now. And we're in our unique situation here. Like in our club, we don't really need to compete for kids, right? Against other clubs because our market is a little bit smaller. But a lot of these kids grow up in a, you know, since they're 12 years old, they're getting recruited to come to clubs and told how awesome they are and their kid's going to do this and they should be that. And that club's not doing this. And they never they're not coachable because all they're told is, you know, they're just recruited the whole time and they're told how awesome they are. So then when the first time you tell them, Hey, that's not really that great. You need to kind of make work on this. Then they're like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else where somebody's just going to tell me I'm awesome all the time. And I see that their growth and their development gets stunted. So for us, like one of the guiding principles at, at K2 is it's development, right? It's like, I don't care if we're great at 12s, you know, it's like, we're, we're going to beat people and we're going to win games usually just because we're a little bit more organized and we train well, yeah. right? But whether or not we win the national championship at 12 is not really the the, the goal of the club um, or shouldn't be for parents really at that point, right? It's like, hey, is my kid getting better? Does my kid love playing the game? And is she in a place that she feels like, hey, I can do the things that I wanna do long-term and they can help me get there. And if that's the guiding you know, principles that it's going by as a parent or as a club director, I think then it's real easy for those relationships to stay good and you're not having parent issues and the players are happy and you're progressing along the way. And so, like you said, you guys kind of don't have the biggest market in terms of boys volleyball in your area. So do you ever get, do you ever right. get like kids the opposite of like hard work and have this like false sense of just like, <laughs> because they don't see yeah. like, for example, they don't see the California kids, they don't see the other kids or the other right. East Coast kids. Like, is that pretty often there or no? Yeah, yeah, that and that happens a lot of times, and I can tell right away the ones who have it and haven't ever watched a volleyball match on TV, yeah. right? So you know, like I, I had a girl the other day, for instance, who I said, "Hey, it's about time we start talking about what we're doing for your recruiting stuff. I need you to put together for me a list of the schools that you would like to go to um, that kind of fit, you know, academically what you want to study, geographically in an area, you know, it's not too far away from home or whatever." and then get back to me and then I'll, I typically will know the coach or someone on the staff or whatever and I can kind of put the feeler out, hey, they need someone in your class, but they don't. Well, this girl came back and she's a good player. She plays on my team. She's 5'10 and she's a middle. I'm an athletic kid, but the first list, the school listed on her thing was Texas. So I, I said to her, I said, hey, uh, have you ever seen Texas play before? I mean, I don't know if you've <laughs> seen their middles. You know, like one of these things is not like the other here, you know, like which one is it? And and so there's a, that kind of education has to go on all the time. Um, the beautiful thing about the boys, though, is, you know, girls get discouraged really fast when we're in practice, right? If we're doing some kind of drill and they're trying to hit, they hit the first ball in the net, then they're not, they go a little slower on the second one. And by the third one, if they don't stone, they don't even want to do it anymore. The guys... Yeah. the other way man they're they're hanging themselves in the net they're trying to bounce <laughs> balls over. they can fail 50 times in a row and then they get one and then they're you know the hands like <laughs> and, 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 it's, and for them they've had the greatest practice ever at that point right so you know telling them hey you're not going to go to ucla or explaining to them you know like hey there's not a whole lot of money in, in, right now in volleyball in terms of the division one level maybe division two is going to be a better fit for you because you get academic and athletic money and trying to navigate those waters you know it's a little bit of a blow to their ego at the mm -hmm. beginning a little bit but um 
they come around to it once we've exposed them. Now that, you know, teams like you guys, like Hawaii coming here to Lake Mora, we brought a crew up there and they were like, wow, okay, now I see what you're saying. I mean, it's a little bit different animal when you see it up close and in person, you know. That was, no, I, so that was, it's that, super cool. that went a long way for us here. And now we have five voice teams because, you know, they came and they said, okay, hey, we love doing this. We like to play. And then, you know, they want to be like those guys that they saw, you know. Right, right. We tell so many kids that. Like the first thing people always ask us, oh, what, do, what should I do to get better? I'm like, you guys have so much. Nowadays, there's so much access to every volleyball match in the world. Like watch, the, right. watch this volleyball. You can learn so much. That's why Micah talks about. Like NBA. That's why the NBA is it's such a high level right now. Uh, NFL, MLB. Because all these athletes that are coming in have watched the, the most elite athletes every single day. All these highlights, mixtapes. They're like watching them and trying to pick stuff up. It's so important. Um, so that's awesome that I know you do a really, it sounds like you do a really good job of anytime there's volleyball available, you get your boys there, making sure they watch that. I don't think enough coaches do that. Um, yeah. so that's super awesome to hear I'm, and stoked to hear that. The, the one thing that I had for you is, so there, it, it gets into a little bit what you're just talking about, but how do you, what's your philosophy on handling, um, conflict, whether it's with parents coaches on your staff players for like i mean there's different types of conflict obviously but i just um wanted to see like if you have a system when approached with some sort of issue so uh, when i was i coached at tennessee the university of tennessee on the women's program there for three or four years um one of the assistant coaches at the time was a guy named greg whitis okay he's now an assistant i think he's at new mexico state we're driving to a tournament one time to go somewhere and he's going to recruit. I think I'm going there to coach a club or do, I, I can't remember what we're going for, but anyway, we're riding in the car. There's, we're in the left-hand lane. There's a car in front of us going slow. He lays on the horn. I mean, just like, he's not, he's not taking his hand off the horn. And I'm like, Rick, what the frick are you doing? Dude? Like, this is road raging, whatever he goes. He looked at me and he goes, Hey Jay, rude responds to rude and he said this is rude being in the left-hand lane and driving slow is being rude so to, anyway to answer your question i learned a lesson right there like when people come in and there's some kind of conflict like with a parent or whatever a lot of times if they're rude the response they get from me is rude and then usually it's you know because i'll they'll come in and they'll say hey my kids should be doing this and you got this is ridiculous and i and they go on their little rant and i sit and i listen and then i go okay hey Chris, get the checkbook out. We're writing these guys a check. You guys are done. Well, hey, good luck to you. I would never want your kid to be in some place like this where you felt like, oh, well, hold on. Hey, I wasn't talking about us not being a big club owner. But the point is, usually when they're in that kind of mode, the only way that they're going to respond to anything is if you're rude back, you know, talking them out of it or telling them that they're great or whatever is not really my style. If they don't want to be here, I don't want them here either. You know, so this is a where we say all the time in our case, it's an uncommon place for uncommon people, right? So we're doing things a little bit different. If you want to be like everybody else, you want to go into the other clubs where you can dictate who has playing time. You want to fill out the lineup sheet. You want to say who the coach is. That's not what we do here. This is what we do. If you like it, great. If you don't, get out. And so that's kind of how we handle conflict in, in, in when it comes to the parents. And with the players, God, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but – you know, I tell them the story of like I used to do with my boys. They'd be like, okay, I don't deal well with drama and I'm a conflict person, right? So I think I might have told you guys a story. 
you know, I even do this with the girls now. Little Susie and little Joni over here are having an issue and they're backbiting and talking crap and forming clicks and it's ruining the team, whatever. So we'll get together, practice, you know, and I, I get the whistle and I blow the whistle. Okay, let's circle up. Everybody make a circle. They circle up. Hey, Joni, you get out here to the middle. Hey, Susie, you come out here to the middle. Okay, everybody's kind of looking. The girls, they hate being called out for having this stuff. And then I'll be like, hey, you know, Susie's been saying this, and uh, Joni, you've been saying that, and we got some conflict, and they're in. So here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to fight right now. You're just going to, you know, let's go. <laughs> just freaking punch each other in the face. You've been talking shit. You hate her. She hates you, whatever. Let's just get this over with, and then we're going to get on to practice, okay? Well, oh, no, I don't want to punch her. Well, what do you mean? You've been talking all the crap like, hey, you know, what? we're going to resolve this right now. Let's just go. Let's get, come on, let's go fight it out. And then we're going to get, and then typically at that point, they realize the stupidity of what they're doing is that they're basically just talking crap and neither one of them really wants to throw hands or do anything at that point. So we get it resolved. And, okay. Hey, can we move on with practice now? Are we done being little babies about this? Can we get along? You don't have to like each other. I'm not asking you to do that, but you need to set the middle when we're in transition. And I know she's not setting you right now, but she's going to set you. Are we over the little baby stuff? Yes. Okay. And we move on. And, that's, and so it's either going to be they're going to punch each other in the face and then it's going to be over or they resolve it like we did and and, and and practice goes on and we and we just we don't it's not something that we tolerate here, you know, because it's not a place for that. And, there, and there's no reason for that to be going on in an in a athletic environment. It doesn't mean people don't get along. You don't even have to like each other. That's fine. That's life. We talk about that, too. But you're going to have to learn to get along with someone enough to get a goal that you have that's in common accomplished if not what are you doing in team sports for go play golf go swim go run track then you don't have to worry about anybody else on your team so to speak it's all about you does that Freaking, answer your question oh that's all no there's two things one one the yeah. the assistant serbian coach at hawaii he handles conflict really similar to how you handle it like he's like very yeah. much like gets in your face like two guys you're called out and He's done all kinds of creative stuff like that. Two, right. have you ever, ever had anybody come close to hitting each other? I can't imagine, especially oh, on the girls. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> what what ends up happening is like the girls on my side, and I always tell them, you know, the days of you being treated as a girl with me are over when you're when you play for me. I'm going to treat you like an athlete, right? And um, I've had girls. I had two sisters one time. Like Heck literally yeah. we had blood. Oh God. It, it got, it got really, cause we played, <laughs> then I, then I would, then I would do this thing. I knew there'd be some issue. We would also do a full <laughs> contact like dodgeball game. And I would tell them the story is when I coached high school boys in, in San Diego, it got to the point where, you know, four or five of the guys would run and just grab a guy and hold him down on the <laughs> ground. And the other guy would come and throw the ball and hit him in the nuts as hard as they could. And he, you know, oh, yeah. he'd be out. And the, the rules were completely out. It was just like, I wanted to see how hard they would be willing to compete, right? So then the girls kind of caught on to some of those things and it gets it gets pretty savage, right? And we've had we've had <laughs> teeth come out and broken fingers and, and a few things. But at the end, you know what they always say? That was the best practice. That's the thing I remember the most. Hey, I learned so much from that night because this is what happened and this is what we went through and now we're best friends and you know she's going to be at my wedding or you know uh, i think that's a big issue with society in general today it's like there's not resolution to conflict anymore or people are afraid to kind of wade into it or talk about it because it's like hey we have to be sure we don't hurt someone's feelings or we're being you know 
um, inclusive isn't the word, but like, you know, that everybody feels like they're a part of it and everybody does. But like you guys know, because you come from a fighting family of brothers, like oh, yeah. you were telling me stories <laughs> about your dad, who was a lot like how my family was. It's like, that's part of being in a family. You know, part of being a family is you're fighting sometimes. And it's not always going to be. We all love each other and everything's great. Some days you're just going to have to smack each other around a minute until somebody goes down and then you're like, okay, you help them up and now we're moving on. You know, exactly. I think that's normal. I think that's normal. 100%. Things get resolved so quickly that way, yeah. and you learn so fast. Like well, I always tell people, people hear stories of our youth, and Micah lived a very like similar, like how he was like disciplined, how he was expected to behave. It was like very similar in his teams, and you learn very fast. Like there is like you don't, there's no like gray lines, gray area about oh like was that okay? Like are they okay with me? Like no, you learn fast, or else you're getting right. beat the crap out of. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? You're not talking. There's not as much trash or garbage being talked about people because you realize, hey, if I talk some crap, I maybe get my ass beat here. Yeah, you know? so exactly. I'm going to keep right. my, I'm not I'm just going to I'm going to get back to practicing and not be, you know, talking behind people's back anymore. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I love that. I love that. man. Yeah. I the the fact that yeah. you use that, it's awesome. And I think a lot of people agree with that like too. It's like dude, people nowadays if you just put them like, there's so many people who like kids nowadays who are just so bad with confrontation and conflict and that, and right. like all of a sudden you put them, you shine the light on them, they just have no idea how to respond, and that translates onto the court too. It's like, all right, pressure's on, like you got to be able to perform, like that type of stuff. It just all around, I feel like it, it's um, beneficial for the kids to be in a just an environment like that, and and obviously like you have such a great balance of. You know, like loving them and teaching them and making sure that you're providing lessons, but at the same time, like giving them a little bit of hard love at time too is super important. Um, what's one coach, like at any level, it doesn't have to be a volleyball coach that you have always like looked up to. And if there's a few, you can list those two. But and why and how you like attributed that to your coaching style as as well. Mm. I, you know, this is gonna sound uh, crazy, but I. I one of the first coaches that I would emulate was, you know, when I was probably in elementary school playing flag football, I had a coach named Mr. Weiss. Okay. And Mr. Weiss was a retired Navy guy. Um, but his, it, you sort of just encapsulated what I would say about Mr. Weiss. He was a guy who showed us a lot of love, but then when he needed, you know, he, he used to say like, I, uh, sometimes you need a pat on the ass and sometimes you need a boot in the ass. And I know the difference. You know, and, and, and I, I learned really fast with him that, you know, I, I tried so hard to always get the pat on the ass from him. Unfortunately, he had to give me the boot in the ass, you know, sometimes, <laughs> but that, I also learned, a, I, I also learned a lot from that. Um, and then going forward, like on the, on the other end now, like as a volleyball coach, who's trying to do things at a, at a higher level, I look at a guy like uh, Julio Velasco. Right, the coach for Argentina and Iran and and when the Italian leagues and um, his approach to everything he does with volleyball and and how he sort of brings it all together amazes me because I you know I I want to be more like a guy like Velasco is but I think you got to be true to kind of who you are sometimes I think you can take things from the people that you like from a coaching style my basketball coach in in high school you know was the same way like mr weiss a tough guy you know no nonsense discipline 
we're going to do things a certain way and that's the end of it, you know? And I learned a lot of good things from them, but you also take away the things where you maybe like, I can do this a little bit better. And so to your point before where you were talking about, Hey, I kind of have that balance. I think it's because I've grown up with both. Um, and I've seen the good and bad on both sides and you, and you take the pieces that you like, and then you just sort of put that in your little soup and, and, and see where it gets you as a coach. I know this, I'm not the same coach today that I was yesterday and I'm not trying to be right. I'm, I'm always trying to get better at what I do. I know I can always get better. And I think the mark of a good coach is someone who can look at themselves and say, okay, Hey, I know my team's not doing this or, you know, these damn kids, they don't do that anymore or whatever. It's like, okay, you may be right about that, but you have to be able to adapt. And our job is still teaching, right? So how can I help my players be the best they can be? And sometimes that means I got to take a look at myself and how I'm presenting things or how I talk to them or how we resolve conflict or whatever it is and, and try and get better at those things and learn. And so it's a process of learning all the time. And so I'm constantly looking at coaches from all different things. Rugby is a big one. I look at how uh, I just watched a thing about uh, the all blacks, which, you know, how the guy formed the rugby teams there. Um, Australian cricket, because my wife's from Australia. I've looked at, you know, coaches from that. Australian rules football, a guy named Mick Malthouse who coached the Collingwood Magpies. I just read a book that he wrote. So I don't just look at volleyball. I look across the board at people who are having success at organizing teams, right? Because, and even in, I read a lot of books, military books on, you know, Navy SEALs or old generals from civil wars or things like that. And again, how they organized groups to accomplish certain goals. And I think the principles and all those things are kind of the same and you can take little things from all of them to make yourself better. And that's, that's kind of how I do it. No, and, I and know how so you... many, I know so many coaches too, though. That's the other thing. It's like on a personal level, it's hard for me yeah. to look up to them. Like, it's, Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah but I kind of know, I know their, I know their little other side back in the day before, <laughs> you, before they were, before they were coach so-and-so at whatever university they are now. Like, yeah. I, I know. I, I knew him, but back in the day, but um, I, I, I admire a lot of, and I got to say, even at, at, at Nebraska coach cook and, and, and Scott Wong, who's at Pepperdine, my two daughters play for those, and I'm closer on those. They couldn't be any different, more different. I mean, complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? But I, I marvel at how they still both get results in their programs and what they do, and they're doing it in completely different ways. And I try and take the little pieces that my daughters come back and say, this is what I love, really love, and me making the observations about the things I see and what they're maybe doing in their training and, and take the little pieces and try and bring that back and put, like I said, put it in my own soup and, and make that a little bit better. 100%. And athletes, they see straight through. If you're not authentic, like the authenticity aspect of being a coach, it's so, right. so important. Because I played yeah. for coaches who just aren't authentic. They try to be people who they aren't, and you have you get zero respect, especially as the athletes get more experienced. That gets, I mean, they, that could start out like super fast. And so I love that point that you made about that. The other one about coaches being able to take a look at themselves there's so there's coaches that i've like been in the gym with and the entire team doesn't understand the drill and then they're screaming at the team like obviously this is if the entire team doesn't understand what's going on this is on the coach this is not, this is not on the right. i mean obviously the team could maybe be better understanding but if the every single person does understand the coach needs to be able to sit down and be like all right why aren't we functioning what's going on that's such a crucial right. part of coaching, and athletes respect the heck out of coaches who can go out and take, um, and take 
sort of the blame for things. Like if, if something goes wrong and the coach is at fault, like a coach who can go out and in front of the athletes, tell them that he, they did wrong, I think is super important and you gain trust more so than lose trust. Um, and so that's super awesome. Is there any program that you like growing up, like want to coach or have, do you have any desire to get back into coaching at the university level? Man, it's, I, I don't think, um, well, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it in a long time. I, I, I have thought about though, maybe trying the professional level. And I, I, because to me, it's, um, it's a whole different, it's, I, I think it's a different skill set that you need and a whole, uh, completely different style of coaching in my mind. I don't know. I could be wrong on this because I don't, I don't really have an experience of it, uh, yet, but um, now you're dealing with elite level people and it's more about managing personalities and putting them oh, yeah. together on the path to kind of accomplishing something, you know, that, and, and, but you're, you're not having to come to practice to motivate people. Like they're motivated, yeah. they're, they're high level achieving that kind of thing. Whereas what I do now, which I also love is, you know, I have 12 year olds who can't serve or 14 year olds who are just learning overhand or, you know, whatever. So it's like, you're kind of building them up to this point and then hopefully handing them off to the next coach at the collegiate level, who's also continuing their progress. But on a professional level, it's like, okay, well now you're working with the best of the best. Um, and to kind of, I don't know, I think that, that, that challenge, um, is something that intrigues me, but who knows now that my, my son's about to graduate and Chris and I'll be empty nesters. I mean, collegiate coaching, maybe, but it's not something I'm thinking about in the, in the near future. Okay. Right on. So what, you, what's one thing you talked about? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I have to, because he I just agree. mentioned his kids. If, is there like one yeah. specific time in Nicklin, uh, Nicklin's career that like stands out to you? Like when you were coach here, like a funny story or just something that happened <laughs> when you were a coach here or something that made you like really proud also? Or really disappointing. Uh, That's also funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it was—it's all—it's all those things wrapped in one. We're—we're—we're we're, we're at AU's in the national. Like we're trying to win the national championship. I think um, uh, this is her 16th year, and I—we had some coaching issue that happened, and, and I had to have to end up coaching the team because I never wanted to coach them until like the 18th year, their final year. I wanted other people. I wanted them to get an experience with other people. I wanted you know, them to learn from others. And I wanted that, that principle to be instilled with them, that, that their dad wasn't the only guy who knows volleyball, that other coaches know what they're talking about. And like, anyway, we get to AU's, we're playing this match and I tell, we, we, we get to a timeout and we're like, Hey, we're going to run this play because this, the, they're commit blocking over here. So set this ball and this is what we're going to do. Okay, fine. We go back out. She doesn't set that ball. She sets something else. We get housed on the side because they commit blocking on our left, whatever. I, I snap a timeout, like back to back. And I, I'm like, I walk out. And if you know Nicklin and I, it's not really that unusual. But for people who don't know us, again, because the conflict thing, it made a lot of people uneasy. We're basically screaming at each other in the middle of the court. I was like, what the? Nicklin, I just told you <laughs> we're running this. They're fucking commit blocking over here. Why the did you set the left side? Whatever. She goes, I told her to fucking run that play. And she fucking ran this one. And she didn't go behind, Dad. I would have set that ball but she didn't and i turn and i look like we're both red in the face and i all of her teammates are kind of like like 
<laughs> staring like, is this going to be okay? Or is this going to be fine? And John Cook's sitting back there watching this whole thing go on, kind of like, okay, what am I getting into here? Take it to yeah. take it to the center. But at that moment, I asked the the kid, I said, hey, did you run what we told you to run right there? And she goes, no, I didn't. So I said, okay, fine. So Nicklin, you know what? Sorry about that. And in that moment right there, I was like, Nicklin, sorry. You know what? I thought you you just did this because you were being stubborn like you can be sometimes. You actually did the right thing there. And that was a moment where I had to say, hey, you know, okay, sorry. Um, and then I had to get on that other kid, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what no, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you. Know, like, so in that, but it just goes to show it's kind of one of those moments where at that point, then she was okay. Like, we could move on from that. And on the next point, we're on the same page again. And it's not like, well, F you. And now she's distracted from the game. You know, there's, there's moments. That's a baller of, right there. Pride. It, it, listen, you know, she went, she played in that match where I was yelling at her at AAUs. We thought she had mono. Um, and she ended up having mono, but she told the doctor, listen, I got to go play. And the doctor's like, well, your spleen could rupture or whatever, you know, like, uh, that's not a good idea. And well, how do we know her spleen is swollen? Well, we'd have to do a, you know, a, a ultrasound to look at it or whatever. And she's like, well, then let's get the ultrasound because I'm, I'm playing. And she goes, and to be honest, if even it's swollen, I'm, I'm taking the risk. And I was like, okay, hold on. Now, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I love you as right, your dad. Right. And you know, you're, and as the coach and the whole thing, but I don't want you dying at AAUs. You know? <laughs> but anyway, we got, we, we, we got, the we, we got, yeah, exactly. We got the, we got the ultrasound done. Her spleen was fine, but she went down and she played with, with motto at AAUs before that and, and, and trooped it out like a, like the tough kid that she is. And then, um, one last one where I wasn't even coaching her was this last year they played Minnesota. I don't know if you saw that one where she was like right front blocking. They back set the ball to Samity. Samity hits this ball like straight down into the three. I mean, hits Nicklin point blank, right? Knocked her the freak out. Like Nicklin take like half a step and then like hit the ground and then like bounce back up and then set the next ball <laughs> for them <laughs> to win the point. And then they took her out of the game and then they got the last point to win. And that, that was another one of those moments where I just called her and I said, listen, you know what? I, I don't know how you do it. You're a tough-ass kid because I'm pretty sure I, you were knocked the F out. <laughs> I, didn't know, I, didn't, I didn't know where I was. I don't know how I set that next ball, and I definitely was knocked out. But that's one of the hardest <laughs> hits I've ever seen anyone take. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that, that shot. That I did. I saw the video that. of it. Woo. Yeah. Nasty. Nasty. Yeah. Samity freaking was bawling this year too. She just signed in Germany an hour yeah. away from me. We uh, we went and hung out with oh. their team on New Year's. Um, oh, she was cool. up there. She just signed. She's like flew over here like a week ago. So they're uh, Samity's oh, over here in Germany now. But yeah. that's freaking she's awesome. Good. All the stories. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah athletic. The uh, yeah. what's your favorite? We're we're gonna wrap up soon. I know you got to go. You got practice here probably this. Soon, yeah, in a bit. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's okay. We'll get to it. When we get <laughs> Nicklin will run it. The uh, no, I was just wondering, yeah, on, like your your favorite uh, volleyball trip that you can re recall. Like, there's one for me that really sticks out. I don't know if you had one, like volleyball related. It doesn't have, it can be as a parent, coach, player. It can be any of those. I don't know if there's one in particular that stands out, but I know, like, for the last four years, when we first got to Nebraska. We met the Feckies, uh, Michaela Feckies' parents, and they kind of would organize the parents getting together before matches. So for four years, we basically get together with all the parents, most of the parents anyway, at Nebraska, 
and have a pregame and then head over to the thing. So for four years, we've had an absolute ball. The, the hard part for me on a volleyball trip before that was like, I was always coaching. So like if the girls were playing, they'd be playing over here. Chris and I would try and be sort of splitting out or one of us would be coaching. So we didn't get to have as much fun. We got to have our fun when they got to college. And, and so now <laughs> we've become, we, we've become lifelong friends with a lot of the parents um, on the team and, and just have a great time wherever it is we go and enjoy getting to see some of these other cities and, and places where the girls get to play. I will tell you though, this spring, um, we're looking forward to coming out to Hawaii. I haven't been there. Hey. And, uh, yeah. So I think, uh, they're going to do the Nebraska will do the beach thing again out there. And, and Chris and I will try and, and make it out there and, you know, under the guise of watching our daughter play. But exactly. Really yeah, like, we'll see if we catch a game or two. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll yeah. be other places. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think Nick was onto us. I think I even heard her say it one time on her and Lawrence talk, uh, uh, podcasting or whatever they were talking about it like i don't even think my dad and mom come out to watch us i think they come out to hang out with the other parents which is pretty much true at that point it's like we're not playing in the game we can't control anything that goes on so we might as well have a good time and, and, oh, yeah. and that's what we're doing yeah. Oh, yeah i think more parents need to realize that too there's so many parents they feel like like yeah what they do contributes to how like the team will perform oh, yeah. as of, especially in college when you're showing up to matches like go have a good time show up go out to dinner with the parents and stuff and have a good time and like cheer on your kids and hopefully they win if they if they don't then you got to support them but that's <laughs> that's I think that's yeah. a really good way to approach it and Nebraska I have to ask this cuz we yeah. get <laughs> we've done some different like uh reaction videos of different matches and for the fifth set of we did a reaction video of the fifth set of the national championship from this year and we were just yeah. I mean we were we were criticized I mean I think anybody knows like there's a lot of things that happen starting down seven zero. We were just we were just analyzing like how everything went down, different plays, like what should have happened, or more so the mentality of the players going like whether it's in transition attacking or blocking or like how or how they should have probably um, handled certain situations. And we're just like obviously hindsight bias is um, is twenty twenty, but we have to ask because the Nebraska fans absolutely came down on us. We're like. And then there's some who are like, no, they're just analyzing. Like, they're just analyzing the game. Like, every, if we would ask John Cook, Jalen Reyes, Tyler Hilderman, they'd say the exact same thing. Yeah, we should have went and not hit an out-assist or roll shot and out-assist the ball directly to the middle of the court. Like, stuff like that's, like, right. really like just basic volleyball tactics. So I have to ask Nebraska fans, your experience with them, overall, I, mm -hmm. I assume as a parent of them, it has to be pretty good. But also, is there any, like, sort – is there any sort of negative vibes you've ever – I have negative vibes from, like, Nebraska fans. Because a lot of people that we ask hate Nebraska fans for some reason. <laughs> and we, I didn't realize right. how many people right. don't like Nebraska fans. Yeah. I could see where maybe they wouldn't like Nebraska fans, but um, because Nebraska fans have an expectation of their program. And so, you know, if, if, uh, if Wisconsin comes in and beats Nebraska – most of the time, Nebraska fans are going to be like, well, Nebraska didn't do this and Nebraska didn't do that instead of giving Wisconsin credit and just saying, you know, freaking Loberg really was amazing tonight and got it done on the left side. And that was the difference, you know, or, hey, uh, Recky was just too much in the end or, you know, or Hilly set a great match and kind of give credit to the other side. I think that's where the rub may come. But overall, 99% of the people that uh, we meet, we love it there. They're great people. They, they're rabid and they're, um, 
they care. They're passionate about the team. And then, you know, there's always going to be criticism, right? This is one of my criticisms of women's volleyball in general. We don't have these talks about football or basketball or whatever, where they're like, Hey, we're the, the commentators were a little too harsh on the girls, or we're talking about something technically in the match. Like you're saying, Hey, don't hit roll shots to the six zone. Like at least put it on the setter and make them have to hit an out of system ball back coming or whatever it is. You know, that would be standard fare if we were talking about football or baseball or basketball, but somehow right. in girls, you know, the fill in stuff that we're getting from TV and I do TV for the SEC network plus on the Tennessee games too. I know how it goes. You get a production sheet and they want to talk about certain player and you're going to talk about how she baked cookies for old people and that she's an A student and we're going to show pictures of her cheering all the time, whatever. But we're not allowed to really say like, man, you know, that's a crap swing she took there. It's like, why are you hitting low seam or, hey, you should have hit this, not rolled the ball to the six zone. Kind of what you're saying. That's my critique until we're going to get to the point where you're able to hear those things about yourselves. We can't get better. We can't get better as commentators. We can't get better as players. We can't get better. The TV product can't be better, right? So if we want those ratings, that's what normal people who, that's what we would be doing if we were sitting around watching it. That's what I'm saying in the stands. You know, it's like, why can't we say it, you know, more in the open? But anyway, uh, yeah, they're they're good for the most part. I, I don't I don't take offense. I didn't see your thing and I need to watch the whole thing. You're your breakdown of the fifth because I happen to be there, but I wouldn't be offended by that because you guys are good players who play at a high level and have a great knowledge of the game. I've talked to you before. So if you were like, that was a sucky set by Nicklin, I wouldn't be like, how dare you? I'd probably be like, yeah, that was a sucky set by Nicklin. What the hell was she doing there? And yeah. Nicklin needs to hear that, you know? And especially from a peer like you, she she respects you. You're playing at a high level. She watches the stuff you're doing. It's not like every set you've ever made has been a peach. You know, it's like, yeah. I wish I had that one back, you know, or every pass the gauge did was, you know, on is a dime. It's like, no, okay, hey, I should have done this or could have done that. Yeah, you can look at that. And I think that's just healthy, normal stuff, you know, mm -hmm. healthy stuff. Totally. No, that's exactly. It's just us. Like we were just analyzing sort of the game and, I think the players and the coaches would agree. <laughs> like watching it back, you're like, "What the heck was I doing?" I do that all the time. I watch matches. I'm just like, right. "What was I doing here?" Do you guys do film sessions with your club teams? I do, but like most of the time, my film sessions are going to be to watch. Like, so I'm a big. I like uh, Volos, the girl setter from you know that sets at Amoko from Poland. So mm -hmm. like if I'm doing stuff with my setters, we're going to watch film of her and I'm going to like watch how she flows here, watch her thing, watch how she does this, you know, or we're going to watch Boscovich if we're watching right sides. I, I like them to watch film of the people who are the best at what they do. And then let's emulate some of those things. So when we go out to practice today, I don't want you to think about technical things. I want you to think about being Bolosh. I want you to think about being Boscovich. I want you to think about being Micah Christensen, whoever it is, you know, Joe Worsley. Okay, you know, like, okay, hey, and then emulate. Because I know as a kid, that's how we learned the game. We would see Larry Bird do a shot, or I'd see Magic do this, or whatever. And then I'm going out in the driveway, and I'm doing that shot 800 times. And then I kind of incorporated that into my own game again. And so I think that's an issue with girls is they don't watch the game enough. Kind of back to our point at the beginning of this whole thing. When they watch it more, then they're able to see and then kind of emulate those things in the, in, in the gym and see what maybe they can do and what works for them. And then they kind of develop their own style from that, but they add little pieces to their own game, but you got to watch it first, you know, and see it and appreciate other people to, to get sort of an idea of what you're doing. Otherwise you're just out here trying to do the drills that the coach is saying yeah. with no idea how it's supposed to look at the end. And then you're getting yelled at and you're like, 
I don't know how I want to do this anymore. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> baking a cake, but not having any idea of what the cake's supposed to look like or taste like at the end. And then you get to the end and you're like, is this good? Well, I mean, you don't know, like <laughs> you didn't know what it was supposed to look like. And I think that's a, that's a fatal flaw in the women's game. A lot of it right now is that they don't watch it enough um, at a high level, especially to kind of pick up on the nuances of the game and, and develop their own little pet shots and moves, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's exactly. And we talked a lot of, when we were in Tennessee, we talked a lot about the development of setters and like watch the Olympics are going on. So we got a chance to watch uh, some of the matches together. Yeah. Um, yep. Really quickly, your mentality. We've talked about just my brother and Mike and I, we worked with some setters, but we're very young, like in the coaching world. We're not like, super developed coaches it's more just our like analysis of setting how do you approach i want you to just talk about how you approach developing setters um in your club the the it's changed dramatically for me from being very regimented to now it's um through trial and error i don't want to box you in so what works for you maybe doesn't work for the next guy and the girl after that but what my job is is to get the maximum out of you Right. So what I try and tell them is when we're getting here and we're working for setter work, this is an experiment, not a final exam. So we're going to mix some of this together and we're going to mix some of that together and it may blow up in our face. Okay. Then we know, no, nope, that's no good. And then we'll try a little of this. Well, then we go, Ooh, look what we made here. This is going to be pretty good. And then they start to build some confidence that way. But if I'm trying to fit square pegs into round holes by making you do the same footwork that Micah did, remember I, that's why I videoed you both. Your releases couldn't be, you know, more opposite. Yeah, at the they're time. super you know, different. Like you were, you, he was trying to work on, you know, some the stuff with the thumbs. You were, you know, big on the doing it and yeah. much more wrist action. Six and one half dozen the other. You're both great and world class at what you do. So it's like I wouldn't try and make you do what Micah's doing or vice versa. It's like no, you're gonna do you. And then we're going to accentuate those things that make you great. And then we're going to look at the parts that aren't as good and we'll work on those. Right. And then we'll try and figure out what's the best way to help you be better at those parts that you're not as good at. So if it's defense, we'll watch a setter who's defensive. You know, if it's you're a little rigid and you're let's watch Maroof and we're going to watch him set. And then you can get into a little more. Look how this guy creates. So then your task maybe in the gym or for training that day would be let's create something. I don't care what it is. Let's just try. It may look awful, but we're going to try, try, try to do different things. And then that gets your brain stimulated in a different way where your setting then becomes an expression of what you're doing. And that's, that's what I'm looking for when I do setter training. I don't want to, I don't want to box you in. I know hey, Mike just came in here. <laughs> I know. We just Dude, I'm so bummed I missed this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's OB, and I'm sorry I don't have the mustache, bro. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It looks so different. <laughs> yeah, I just shaved. I just shaved it off for what the happened? new year, but okay, okay, I, I, like, it. I like it. Yeah, Chris <laughs> just Chris was just like, hey, she asked me, you know, maybe to make a little change, do something a little different, so I, I shaved it off, and you know, well, hey, happy, happy work, wife, happy life. life. There you go. There you go. Learning. Uh, but Micah, I know that you just hopped on here. I just have one more question for Mr. Hames here. Um, yes. I know a lot of people are wondering, Nicklin does have that one more, one more season. Yeah. Does she? Mm-hmm. Does she, she does. She, is she going to take it? You think or no? I think so. <laughs> it's, she's going to, she know dude, that the Nebraska team's freaking legit. The Nebraska team's legit. 
when Nebraska yeah, teams I, I think there's 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 a lot to the story and um and I don't know I'll, I'll have to let Nicklin tell that one but her role is going to be different I'll say that as she goes back um and I think John's put together a plan for her going forward that is pretty good but um it's going to look a little different than I think people will think when when we get to the fall you know, so she's gonna be hitting in a six two. I like that. I like she's that. hitting in a six two. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I know we don't want to get you in trouble. We don't want to get. <laughs> we don't want to get anybody yeah. in trouble. But we we yeah. can just speculate. After you hop off, then we can speculate. But um, no, Mike, we were talking about setters, uh, and we'll kind of finish off with this last topic. I, I know you want to hop on just to say what's up. We were just talking about his philosophy on setting uh, and teaching setters because we spoke about that this past summer in Tennessee. Um, and he's just going over how he really customizes the training and the development for each athlete. And really, like, there's a lot of coaches who have, like, regimented programs for each setters. Um, and, like, I, I just oh, want to point out, like, even my – Yeah, even, like, for myself, I was – last week I was, like, watching some video of some different setters and I tried something else – tried some different stuff and I'm like, none of this stuff feels good. And – the point we were making, what we were talking about this summer, is like every single top setter in the world, you watch them, they set differently, like completely different. Um, right. And if like if you watch a setter like Bruno or something, like Mike and I talk about a lot, Bruno like isn't like the most, nobody would say he's the most accurate setter. I don't think even he would probably admit that. Like he's not the most accurate, but he's just the freaking winner. And I think how important for you is just finding like a winner to be in that, setting position rather than okay the most technically refined setter sometimes but maybe they're just not as competitive like i i think we need to learn the lesson here like from football and we had this discussion when you guys were here i i couldn't agree with you more about the way you i asked you both who you thought was the best setter in the world you both said bruno and then i was kind of like well why and you neither you said both said the same thing it's not a technical thing he wins right but and then look at the nfl if we went by the combine and you went by people's 40 times and, and how many reps they can bench at 225 and the whole thing for quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are the worst of the bunch probably, right? But they win and they're the best at that position, you know, because they know how to play the position. And I think for me at the setter position, you need somebody, A, who wants the responsibility. That's the main thing. Like, hey, here's the deal. This is the responsibility of it. You know, everybody's looking at you, you know, the team wins, it's the hitters are awesome. The team loses, the setter sucks. The coach is always talking to you. The ball's coming to you. Everybody's looking at you on every point. There's no place to hide. So if you don't want the responsibility, this isn't the position for you, right? But then secondly, I want that person to be my most competitive and most like, what's the word like where they're thinking volleyball the most i got to be able to talk to you and know that you think volleyball that you're thinking about how the team can get better that you're thinking about how you can facilitate us taking another step forward right and i think that's the most important more so than are your hands high or a little bit low or is your footwork a little off or whatever it's like that doesn't matter in the end do you de deliver a ball that's hittable and repeatable great do we win even better that's all i care about and that's all anyone should care about in a, in a team setting because 
you know what uh, we don't get points for technical merit it's not like ice skating in the olympics or whatever where we have the you know technical portion and we're, we're getting graded on your hands and your footwork you know it's like we get great we get a point or we don't we win or we lose it's it's very simple 100 percent. no i love that i that was my favorite like all the conversations that we had this past summer that's why for a while i kept telling these guys we need to get him on like <laughs> we had such great conversations and i really like how you view so many different things so I just wanted to make sure that we got that recorded here on the podcast for people to hear because we talked about in the podcast. We've like talked about you and how much we enjoyed it. So um, she's back. Yeah, she's oh. back, in, so we can't talk about her now. Yeah, the setter slash opposite for Nebraska next year is back. <laughs> They're asking me about next year, about your your return and and what's going to happen. I said, I said probably you're going to be back, but in a, it's going to look a little different than people are used to. They can talk to you if you want. Can is it good? Can we tell them? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, she's definitely can, coming can I back. Guess? Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, you can. Go ahead. Uh, is it towards a coaching role? Yes, there is a there is the the path is for her to go into a coaching role. Yes. Yes, I yep. knew it. Wow. That's, that's what Player I coach. Wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. And I I think. I think, and in, in, and it'll be she'll be in a different position as well. I think, um, I think in terms of her setting and what she's done there, it's like yeah, she can do that if that's what's necessary. But you know, like she had her time, and I think Kennedy is, you know, that's a. I mean, it's going to be her time, you know, in, in that role next year, probably going in, and um, Nicklin's going to be there to help facilitate whatever needs to happen to make her the best she can be and, and for the team to be the best they can be. And if that means her playing a different position, which is what they're looking at, then that's what she's going to do. And then it's going to be, you know, a, a grad assistant year, maybe the year after that, where she then is a grad assistant and gets some coaching experience under a guy like Coach Cook and and Jalen and, and kind of learns the ropes and the ins and outs from that side um, and then goes into coaching from there. I think that's kind of what the plan looks like. I don't know about how what it looks like long term for her playing because she hasn't really even talked about that that much. But the coaching aspect seems to excite her. It's so awesome. So there you go. That's I broke really it. cool. I, I brought. I broke it for you here. Now, now you know, maybe the, <laughs> she the, gave the, permission. It's good she gave the permission. Yeah, she, yeah. she did give permission. Yeah, she did give permission. So, <laughs> so it's not like speak two out of school. Yeah. yeah. The I, one last thing, Mike, and my have something for for me. I have one last thing, and I've. Asked a lot of people involved in the Nebraska program, but I want it from your perspective because it's something we spoke about this past summer. The shift of Lexi's son um, more to like uh, to the bench this year. How much? What? In which ways? From like a parenting and obviously you're pretty close to the team. Which ways did that affect the team? Um, And how was it? How was the team able to kind of like rally after? I feel like once that happens, usually. The season's not going very well after that. If you're like, if one of your senior outside hitters is getting benched like yeah. that in the middle of the season, I, I I think in their case they had a lot of confidence in the freshmen, right? And so it was it was hey, we want this for Lexi, but we also understand that these freshmen are pretty good and they can help us win too. And so it's one of those things of it's an uncomfortable situation at the beginning because now. You know, the year before we were so thin or they were so thin at every position, there wasn't a lot of competition. But then all of a sudden 
you come in and there's two or three kids at your position that can all play. And so in Lexi's case, it was like, I think she was probably as good as them in John's eyes, but maybe not better. And so in that case, as a coach, you're like, okay, well, if this kid's a freshman and you're a senior and you're kind of comparable in terms of the level, I'm going to go with the younger one um, instead of the older one. And I don't know that for sure, but I would assume that that had to go into the thinking for John. And then on the personal side, I just know like her mom and dad are, are, are good people. Um, we've had a great time with them and Beth, her mom, especially, you know, whether Lexi was in the game or not in the game, she cheered for everybody just the same. And she was there to give Lexi a hug after and, and do what she, you know, was there to do, which was support her daughter and, and be a mom. And, and lastly, I'll say on that, I know for a fact that there was probably a part of her that was a little bit happy with just being normal. You know, it's like, there's always been this, you know, cloud around her and, and all this storm because it's Lexi's son and I'm the Gator player. And, and, and then, so when you, when your role changes and all of a sudden you're kind of like normal again, I don't know that that was the worst thing in the world for her where she was like, okay, this is kind of what it might be like when my life's, when volleyball's not in my life anymore. It doesn't mean she liked it or was like, I'm happy about it. But I think it was just, it was a learning experience for her. And I, and I would think she's going to come out the other side of it better um, because she's got parents who support her, great family, and um, and teammates that do the same. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That, I mean, everybody did that answer that kind of answer. No, it did, did for sure. I, yeah, we asked Lauren too. Lauren is a little bit more. She didn't want to talk about it as much. So I knew like you had had a good <laughs> look at if you want to, and you have like I feel like your viewpoint of how it went down is very um, like if you ask some other parents, they might not give really great answers and stuff. So I knew that you would give a really good answer and also know a yeah. decent amount. So people were just yeah. writing in about that and commenting. So I just wanted to make sure we knocked that out. Um, yeah. But I know Micah, you just got out of practice here. Um, yeah, my bad. No, 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 you're all good. We, uh, <laughs> he he has practices too. Um, I know Gage was going to do one last ad read here and then we can wrap it up. Uh, I don't think we need to do one last ad read, but I can just wrap it up really quick. I uh, just want to thank you for hopping on, uh, Mr. Hames. Always a pleasure. Hopefully we, we come in contact and get to visit the new K2 facility this summer, man. I mean, Dude. We, we're psyched to get back there if we can. Oh, there's a Yeah, new you guys come. You do. Yeah, we're building We're going to build a new one. Are you guys we'll come help build it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. We would love to say that you told me the stories about your dad saying, Hey, with the lawnmower stories and then getting out there and the, and the lawns, I'll put you to work out here. We'll get you a wheelbarrow and a shovel. You'll be, you'll be shoveling. Here and working. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, or, we could go, or, or we could go out on the boat again. We could just go out on the boat. <laughs> you know, like that. that would be good too. That'd be good too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just want to thank you. Uh, we'll stay in contact. Hopefully again, we make it our way out to K2 and wish you guys the best of luck. And uh, just thanks again for hopping on the pod. No problem, man. Good luck to you guys the rest of the season. Thanks for Sam. Thank you so much. Thanks. We really appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Good to see you. You can, you can handle the heat. Yeah. You can, you can handle the heat. It's good to catch up with Mr. Hames. Uh, he was... He's one of the definitely the characters that we always talk about. We always have the characters from our uh, from our tour, and he's definitely one of them. And we always talk about. <laughs> let's, name, let's name the top top five characters. I've got uh, I've definitely got Tennessee Chick Fil A up there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Jake Mix. What are their names? Slugs, obviously. Um, Jesse, Uncle Jesse. Jesse, yeah, Uncle Jesse. Jesse, yeah, Uncle and Jesse his boy. And
Uh, so Jesse. Many, we're gonna forget. How about the pod, like how seal? about the guy like a seal? The guy like a seal. Like a seal. Oh, like a seal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red guy. shirt, he, dude. He red shirt guy. Be a coach. Red shirt. Red shirt. Red I know this guy. What the pot star, The guy. The director. Of dude, freaking La Quinta. Uh, La Quinta. Oh, La Quinta oh, manager. I forgot that La Quinta is so bad. Oh, that was so bad. Well, we each have character of our own though. Like, there's Harry Bell Micah. There's Taco Bell Gage. There's Joe Mudbell. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? Where's what do you uh, mean? Joe? Joe? Uh, Joe Mudbone? Joe, you know no, Joe. No, Remember that, that TikTok? That, oh, <laughs> not Joe Mudbone. No, Joe. Uh, what was the driving one? Oh, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Chris yeah. McCream of jeans. That that was what I just I couldn't stop laughing about. Dude, there's so many. Dude, there's so there's many. So many good ones. There's so many of this. <laughs> the list goes on and on. But anyway, uh, it's awesome that he has his players duke it out. That's literally what me and my brother did. I fought many of my teammates before, Dude, and I think it's actually he, beneficial. Yeah. And if I would love playing there, for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I th- well, I think it'd be a lot like playing for dad, for sure. I think it's just for sure. in the middle uh, of Tennessee little, or Eastern Tennessee. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's – dad Dad was <laughs> quite oh, intense. Punishments. <laughs> he's way more like – yeah, he approached – yeah, he's way more calm. Like <laughs> – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it'd be interesting. No, I think it'd be he's a little bit, a little bit more calm, less high strung. My yeah, dad did. My dad that's... now is super high strung. So like when I go home and like watch him with the the there's the younger teams, and he just it's the funniest thing. I sometimes I have to leave the bench. I'm like I can't I can't do it. I can't, or else I'm gonna just keep laughing or something. <laughs> but I love him, man. He made a lot of players who they are today. But yeah, um, just want to give another shout out because I butchered that last freaking manscape. Well, first things first, boys. Um, I don't know about you, boys. Again, 2022 just hit. Happy New Year's to everyone. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't know about you guys, but you know, New Year, new me, and that 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 uh, that also applies to my Thunderdome downstairs. And, uh, you know, trying some new stuff out with the new lawnmower 4.0 here. You know, maybe a little Brazilian, maybe a little goatee. Who knows? Trying a lot of stuff out here. But uh, uh, it's a new year. New me with the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with a Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new ultra-premium body wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4,000, oh my god, LED spotlight that will shine a light the promised land 2022 looks like. Uh, Joe, hit him with the promo code. Volleyballs, as always, all caps. Okay. All caps, no cap. All right, uh, just remember, guys. Dr. P's Dr. P, and I also want to give a shout-out to Dr. Price's Electrolytes. Keep it nice electrolyte again. If you, 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 it's half the battle right there. Okay, now first of all, your manscape. Now, another half the battle. You need to be electrolyted and energized for any below the waist activity. So make sure you use the promo code Addison20 for 20% off to get Dr. Price's electrolytes to get yourself nice and electrolyted. And just remember, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the damn kitchen. This has been another episode presented by Out of System. <laughs>